0: Good morning. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 5 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? but he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead, why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with them and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. All right. How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. It was uh, I was studying the scripture this week, and I've been like fighting the cold this week too. And I'm like, Lord, I know you can heal. I just read about it. <laughs> So I was having some, some some arguments with the Lord, but it's okay. It's okay. I think that the point of the passage today, and what I want to communicate to you, is that Jesus sees and rewards those who diligently and humbly seek Him. Jesus sees and rewards those who diligently and humbly seek Him. Let's ask the Lord for help. Lord, would you would you explain? the scriptures to us, would you you open them up so that we may understand? Lord, I pray that you would speak a clear word to each and every heart. And Lord, I pray that you would give people hope today. Maybe some have, have come in here who feel weighed down by this or that affliction or situation. And I'm praying that through your word, the power of your spirit, you would bring Lord, speak through me, Lord. Let it not be my words, but your words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we got two characters, two, two individuals in this story who are seeking Jesus. we got Jairus and the unnamed woman who had the affliction. And we see from both of them this humility, this diligence to seek Jesus. So I want to look at their example and see what can we pull from these stories on how we ourselves seek Jesus. Now, we might not all have the same intensity of problems and, of, and afflictions and troubles that they have, but I'm sure we got some, right? We need to know that Jesus sees us. And that when we seek him, when we pray, when we pursue him, it is not for nothing. It, he, he sees it. He will honor it. He will reward. It. When we look at, at Jairus, we can see this humility. Look at verse 21. It says, when Jesus crossed over again by the boat to the other side. A large crowd gathered around him And while he, while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. The interesting thing about, about Jairus, it has a little note. It says he was one of the synagogue leaders now if you know something about the gospels the people who were against jesus were the synagogue leaders all of the religious leaders all of the people who had sway in the temple and in the synagogues they would they would they would say no jesus is not who he says he is we need to be opposed to them they would even threaten people they would say listen if you go and see jesus i'm actually going to ban you from coming to the synagogue at all you can't even have any religious services if you go and seek Jesus. So what's interesting is that for Jairus to come and seek Jesus, he had to go at odds with his group. He had to say, I, I'm, I, I'm OK with being ostracized. I'm OK with being the enemy from my peers. I, I, I don't care because I need some help. And no, and no matter what I got to do, no matter what y'all going to say to me, I'm going to seek Jesus because I will believe that he will help me. See, sometimes seeking Jesus will put you at odds with those around you. And and the only thing that's going to propel you is if you look at your desperate need for him. Sometimes I've been in, I've been a pastor for a little bit and sometimes if I'm just honest, I forget what it's like just to, to to have a regular job or just to be in the world all the time. But when I think back, I remember that to follow Jesus didn't hypothetically put me in a conflict with people. It really did. That when I was in school and I wanted to follow Jesus and I wanted to honor him, that that, that made me an oddball. That I was ostracized about that. I, I remember when I, when I had one of my first jobs, when some like they heard I was a Christian and somebody directly came to make fun of me because of that. So I don't want to forget that that some of you might be facing some ostracism, some some complexity, some pressure. And the thing that's going to make you continue to seek Jesus is that you have to think, if I have a need, those people can't fill the need. But there is one who can. And no matter what anybody else says, I'm going to seek Jesus because I have a need and he is the one who can save me and heal me. The other thing about Jairus is he was someone who had status. A synagogue leader, when he walked around, I'm sure people spoke to him respectfully. Yeah? But seeking Jesus means that we acknowledge that he is greater than we are. This man, Jairus, this honored man, this man with status, came down and fell at Jesus' feet. No matter what others think, no matter the status. No matter the respect, who would say to Jesus, I'm going to humble myself before you. I'm not going to, I'm not, if I feel like I have a high status, I'm not going to carry that in your presence. I'm going to lay that aside and say, Jesus, you are greater and higher and more powerful than me. And I will bow before you. Now, the interesting thing is if you look at at this this situation from Jesus' perspective, he could have looked at Jairus as part of the other team, if you will. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes we got we feel some sort of spite, right? Like I can imagine if someone was from the other side, from the the rival gang, if you will, and he said, I need help. And Jesus could be like, well, now I remember who you with though. I remember what you said. I I remember how you said you was going to kick people out. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus immediately went to help them. No questions asked. He came with humility, even though he was from the other side and said, will you help me? And Jesus immediately said, yeah, I'm coming with you right now. Listen, the Lord draws near to the humble. And some of you are afraid to seek the Lord because of the baggage of your past. Lord, I was on the other team. I remember when I was with them. Listen, he will not hold anything against you. You come to him humbly. He doesn't say, let me give you a trial period. He doesn't say prove it. He doesn't say, let me wait a little bit. No, he says, no, if you come to me right now, I will help you. You didn't hear that promise. Let me come to the the other example of this this woman who's suffering. And we learned that we don't need to be afraid or ashamed to ask Jesus for help. Verse 25, now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had had endured much under doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Now, I want to give you some context. Why, why did she, she approach Jesus this way? She didn't approach him like Jairus. She kind of snuck up on him. What is she doing? Why is she sneaking up on Jesus? Why is she, why is she just trying to touch? Like when you walk around, somebody just touching your your pants. Like what are you doing, bro? Like what's what's going on? Why why, why does she sneak up? See, the, the, the reality there are several reasons that could have kept her from coming to Jesus. The first one is she she uh, she was in this Old Testament language in this category called unclean. I need to explain that a little bit. Let me explain what it what is unclean. See, there were ritual laws of the people of Israel. Were, used, were to use to approach God in a living community. Now, some of the laws were related to, to moral sin. So, for instance, if you committed a sin, you go to the temple, you sacrifice the animal. It's an animal. It's an example, hey, I realize that I should die for my sin, but Christ, uh, God's going to provide a substitute. But there were some laws, ironically, that were simply right, related to public health. There are some times when somebody had a condition, and in this condition, it would require you to be away from the gathering of God's people said that you would not infect others. Now, we just went through this thing called a pandemic. So we actually have a little bit of category of what that means. So, so, so imagine someone has a chronic case of COVID and then going away and it's forever contagious. How would that person feel not being able to be around people? Not ever being able to go into the church. Not ever being able to, to gather in the joyous celebration of God's grace. Sure, I'm sure she heard about it, she might have seen it, but she could never experience it herself. See, this, this condition, it put her in the, in the public health category, which meant she, she could not gather with the people. There's a sense that she was contagious. And then you look, the other thing in, 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 that's in the text is, is she could have lost her faith after spending all her money on doctors. The text says that she endured much. She suffered. I don't know what kind of invasive procedures were happening, but it, but it, it wasn't simply, here, take a pill. It, 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 was, it was suffering, and she could have been angry at God for allowing her to have the condition, for allowing her to be in that ostracism, for, for, for allowing her to, to lose her money. There's a lot of things. I could have kept her from Jesus. And one of the reasons that she snuck up on him, though, is this, I think about the idea of contagion. If someone had something that was contagious and you touched somebody, then that meant that person was contagious. And so she snuck up on Jesus, thinking, well, maybe if I just touch him, he won't know. and He won't have to know he was contagious. Let me just touch him and get that healing real quick. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this woman ostracism from the community, suffering and pain, the loss of all her finances. If anybody had a reason to be mad at Jesus, was it not her? But she said, no, I am going to get near him. Listen, what what things could keep you away from Jesus? We don't really have this concept of of unclean like in the Old Testament law, but But we do have this concept of shame. And I think one of the number one things that keeps people away from Jesus is the shame of whatever they have done or who they have been with. I hear it all the time when I say, why why won't you? Will will you come? Will you come to church? Will you come to Bible study? Will you come to this, that and the other? And they'll say, well, let, let me clean up myself first. Like, you don't, know, you don't know about my life. Let, let me do some good stuff first before I, before I come there. They have uh, uh, this, this idea that their sin and their, 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 their wrong would be uh, contagious and ineffective. And, and then that, that everybody would know the shame of their life. Listen, you need to understand that Jesus is not afraid of your shame. He is not afraid of your guilt. He is not afraid of the long or the short list of all the wrong things you have done. And listen, listen, he ain't afraid to get infected with your sin. Matter of fact, when uncleanness, when sin touches Jesus, he is the one that's contagious. The power comes out of him to heal you. No, our sins and problems are not contagious to Jesus. Instead, when we come to Jesus, his holiness and his power invades our lives. See, he He takes our shame and shines his glory and power on us. He takes our years of suffering and gives us relief and comfort. You might have something that you want to hide. But I say you come to Jesus. There's nothing that you can bring to him that will make him say, get away. Now, the beautiful thing is, is we see in, in verse 30 that Jesus honors those who follow him. And verse 30 said, Immediate, immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? How you touched my pants, man? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you talk about who touched me. But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling. Why the fear and trembling? Remember the shame? The contagion, the fact that she could have infected Jesus. That's that's, that's why she's coming with fear and trembling. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. So for for the past 12 years, this woman would have been afraid to be called out because of her condition. And maybe she would have been afraid that Jesus would have been mad at her. Maybe she would have been afraid that Jesus thought he hit her contagion, rubbed off on her. But no, no, Jesus doesn't call her out to shame her. Jesus calls her out to praise her faith in front of everybody. She, listen, listen, I don't know what kind of words she might have heard. I know she could probably heard unclean back up from me. But the word she heard from Jesus is daughter term of love, endearment, care, provision, daughter. Think about what what Christ calls you, Christian. He calls you son or daughter, beloved, bride. The words that come from Jesus are words of encouragement, hope, peace, and joy. Words of care and love no matter what other words have been spoken to you, hear the words of Jesus to you, that you are his beloved one, and he wants you to come to him. And we see, listen, that Jesus always honors those who put faith in him. This no-name woman in that crowd, Jesus gave her props. Y'all see her? She got faith. Listen, I don't know if you've been around uh some people that, that when they walk it's like it's like Jesus gave them some of his fragrance and grace. you're like oh they' have been with jesus they they, they, they listen the, the the presence of Jesus is on them so that I feel some peace and some hope when when they walk in the room. Listen, Jesus honors those who follow him not only that so, sometimes we can we, we, when we think about this life, we're like, where, where is the reward? But listen, when we have sought Jesus, when we have put our faith in Jesus, he will honor us in the life to come. 2 Timothy 4.8, this is what Paul says. He's at the end of his life. And the context is this. He's in prison. He's suffering. He ain't got no friends. He's writing letters. somebody, Can you send me a coat? It's not a good time for him. But in 2 Timothy 4.8, he says, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearance. To all those who look for him, who wait for him, there is going to be a reward. Jesus will honor those who seek him. Now, I feel like if I was Jairus, I feel like I'd be like we on the timetable for Jesus. Told you she about to die, let's go. Come on. But we need to hear this that no case is too far gone for Jesus. In verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, people came from, for the, from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house. He saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion? This child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Now listen, think for a moment. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes, right? They just reported, your daughter's dead. Jesus says, come on. I got you. You have a choice there. You can go, Jesus is over. Why are you going to come? They said she's dead. She's just gone somewhere. I, like, it's done. Let me just move on. Let me, let me go bury my child. It's, it's, it's over. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Jesus does not give up when things feel too late. Jesus invites us to keep bothering him, to keep asking, to keep seeking. Even when the situations in our life they look like they're far gone. What I love is that that Jesus gave Jairus a word. He said, no, no, I will raise your daughter. I will hear her. Listen, when God gives you a word to keep believing and hold on to his word and take steps of faith, I'm imagining as Jairus is following Jesus, I imagine his mind is so clouded. Wondering if Jesus is going to do the thing thinking about the death of his daughter trying to figure out why in the world is he even did he bother anymore every single step that Jairus is making is a step of faith because Jesus said it so i guess i believe it so i'm going to just take a step i'm going to take another step a lot of times life is like that i don't, I don't my, my mind is fuzzy a lot of times when we think about about having faith we have, have to have this idea that faith means we have no doubts and I don't think that's accurate. Faith means we just keep walking. Jesus said to come with him. I'm going to come. I don't know what the world about to happen. But he said to come. He told me to walk. And I guess I'm just going to walk. And I'm thinking about this and that and wondering what he's going to do and wondering if I'm going to be disappointed. I don't know what it is. But he just kept step after step after step following Jesus. Listen, that is the walk of faith. Now, what promises can, can you cling to? I, you know, unless you had some really cool experience, I don't know if Jesus has stood up in your face and given you a promise, but he has given you the scriptures. There are promises that we can cling to, that we can walk. Step, step, step. Listen, we have to hold on to God's promise. This is one of the promises I wanted to lift before you. And I know a lot of us, a lot of you have, have children or one day you hope to have children and, and, and there's this promise that Peter gave in Acts 2. In Acts 2, 38, it said, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit, for the promises for you and for the children. I know some of you like, my kid, I don't know if he walked with the Lord or not. Or maybe he just told me he don't. Maybe he don't, maybe he don't care. You cling to that promise, say Jesus, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep speaking. My mind is cloudy. They just said this. They didn't done, done that. You don't know what they said to me. I don't know, but I can't, I can't see the end, but I know what you said, so I'm just going to keep believing what you said. I'm going to keep praying what you said. I'm going to keep putting one foot after the other. A promise that I cling to a lot is when Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. There's sometimes when the church don't feel that strong. There's sometimes when when I feel like the church is is walking with a lip. But I say, but Jesus, you said, you said that the gates of hell would not prevail. So I'm just going to keep stepping out And I know that 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 financial issue happened and and that person said this thing and they're not getting along and and the outreach didn't go the way that I wanted to go. I don't know. But all I know is what you said. And so I'm just going to keep walking one foot, one foot then we see this, this Jesus raised this little girl from the dead. In verse 41, then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuhn, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. I want to pause right there. And, well, why, why was that translated? Tradition says that, that Mark, the, the person who wrote this gospel, was a disciple of Peter. So he got his information from Peter. We already saw in the scripture that Peter was with Jesus when this happened. And I can imagine Peter retelling the story. Mark, we were there. The girl was dead. People were crying. It was wild. And Jesus walked up in there and said, God. I can imagine as, as he's testifying about what Jesus is doing, he is reliving the, the event itself. Verse 42, immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old, and at this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. She hungry. All right, let's break this down. Jesus fulfilled his promise to Jairus by raising his daughter from the dead. Jesus is going to fulfill every promise that he made to us in the scriptures. What can Jesus not save us from? If he can literally defeat death. What what, what is too hard for him? Now, here's the deal. Whenever whenever we see Jesus heal or whenever we see Jesus rise from the dead, I want you to understand something. When you see it in the Gospels, it actually is temporary because the little girl ain't still alive today, right? It's actually a bit temporary, but Jesus actually promises some, some eternal healing. He says says in John 6, 14, for this is the will of my father that everyone who sees the son and believes in him will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. We see in this passage a a microcosm, a a little case study of, of what Jesus will do with all who believe in him. That Jesus will ultimately deliver all of us from every affliction and even death itself then we look at this verse a lot of times when jesus says don't tell nobody that's confusing yeah because i would tell you to tell somebody okay why why he say that the reason being is this at that point in time they didn't understand the fullness of the gospel if they were going if people were going to tell about who jesus was he's healing he's having these miracles they were going to say well make him the king and jesus like no i came to die i came to die don't get it twisted Now, what's ironic, after after all is said and done, after he died and rose again, we hear in this story. Peter is the one who told the story. He heard Jesus say, don't tell nobody. But he understood. Jesus said, no, you need to tell people about Jesus. But remember to tell them the whole story. That he's not simply a great healer or a miracle performer. But that he is the Savior who took our sin on the cross. And that he rose from the dead and that he will raise us up on the last day. So we don't have to be afraid of telling telling people about what Jesus has done now because we know the whole story, and we tell of his deliverance now because the fullness of the gospel is known. We can testify about what Jesus has done for us while pointing to the ultimate deliverance of the gospel. Listen, when you're telling people what Jesus has done for you, don't, don't forget the main point now. I know he done a lot of good stuff for you, but don't forget the main point, Jesus died for sins. He rose from the dead and he will ultimately deliver all of us from this body of sin. When I was looking at this passage, the thing that stuck out to me was was just the, the perseverance, the bravery and the faith of Jairus and this woman that was healed. And I think that's an invitation to us, church. I think that's an invitation for us to humbly and diligently seek Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I think one of the hardest things about being a preacher is trying to explain what what is indescribable. But the the, the invitation is this that just as Jairus and just as the unnamed woman had a real, personable, memorable encounter with Jesus. Jesus wants to have that with you. He He doesn't want you just to hear about what somebody else experienced. He doesn't want you just to hear about the potentiality of having a relationship with you. He He wants you to experience the reality of walking with him and seeing his deliverance in your life. And you think, well, how do I do that? I say, you seek him. Look to the example of Jairus, that humility that he had. That when you would come before the Lord, you would bow low, that, that your heart would, would, would be low before him. Hey, Lord, you are greater than me, but yet I'm coming to you anyway. That you would, you would take some time to, to seek him, to be with him, that you wouldn't let the risks of seeking Jesus stop you, and that you would keep on believing when things seem bleak. Why? Because Jesus rewards those who diligently seek him. That you would look to the example of the the woman who was healed, that, that you wouldn't let the shame and the problems of your past tempt you to think Jesus will not help you. That if you're weighed down with shame, that you would remember. No, Jesus took all of my shame when he was nailed on that tree. And I can run to him. I can seek him. And listen to this. Even if you feel like your life has been with disappointment after disappointment, you go, I don't care about the past disappointments. I know that if I reach out to Jesus, he will draw near to me. You know, every, every week I think about, I, I try to uh, think about what is, a, what is, a, what is something tangible? people can take away. In our church, I like to pull from different traditions. If you, when people ask me what kind of church it is, it's sometimes hard to explain. I'm like, well, you know, we got some liturgy, and then, and then we, we, we baptize adults, and, but we also like to lift our hands. And there's a lot of stuff going on. But, but one of the things that I want to present to you is, is and when I was, was in the Pentecostal church, there was this discipline called tarrying for the Lord. Tarrying, that's, that's an old school way of saying waiting. And I remember when I, would, when I would talk to some of the, particularly some of the old women know how to pray, y'all. I would talk to them, and they were like, you need to tarry before the Lord. I'm like, what you mean, Terry? What you mean? And they would begin to tell me about how they would spend hours praying. And I'm like, how in the world? What are you doing? How can you do that? And I, just, I would just rack my brain. like, what? And, they, and they, would really, they wouldn't even give me a lot of advice. They would just go do it. I'm like, what you mean just go do it? How do you do it? What are you doing? But here's one thing I know that when them ladies prayed, they had some power. That they had been with Jesus. And so I thought, well, do on it. I'm, I'm going to try to figure it out. <laughs> and I remember when I was, when I was in college, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure out this tearing thing. I remember I would, I would, it would be at night and I would set an alarm for every 30 minutes because I'd be sleeping. And I got, I got my Bible, I got some paper, and I got some worship music. I'm, I'm going to figure this thing out, Lord. I'm going to just, just seek. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm here. Turn around and wake up with a alarm clock. I'm, like, I'm back. I'm back. I'm here again. I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out, but here's the deal. As I began to do that, spending time with the Lord got easier, and the presence of the Lord got sweeter, and the experience of the Lord got realer. Listen, if, if we have this, this ruthless desire to want to see the Lord like Jairus, I'm just going to keep... I don't know how to do it. I'm going to put one step in front. I don't know, but I'm going to just try to figure the thing out. If we have this intensity, like the woman who was healed, say, I, I'm, I'm going to go through this crowd. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to get there. If we have that tenacity to seek the Lord, beloved, he will answer. Like I said, one of the hardest things is try to explain what's inexplainable, but what I hope to to give to you this this morning is that there is a hope, there is is a, a promise of a deeper experience of Jesus. How do you do it? You put one foot in front of the other. You set some time aside. You get in the scriptures. You get low before the Lord. And you have this expectation that he will meet me, he will help me, and he will show me who he is I want you all to have this living, real, thriving relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you seek it, He will not say no, but He will draw near to you. And you'll have a story to tell, like Jairus. You'll have a story to tell, like that unnamed woman. That's what I want for you, church. Terry, wait for the Lord, pursue Him. And you will experience the goodness of Jesus. Remember, Jesus sees and rewards those who diligently and humbly seek him. Let's pray. Father, we, we bless you, Lord. I thank you that, that this is, is written as an invitation for us to pursue you. To carry all of our burdens and our problems and our frustrations and the complexities of our lives to bring them to you. And Lord, I pray that that by the Spirit, many here would take that invitation and pursue you. That one foot in front of the other, that persistence, that humility, and that we would have a church full of people who who could say, I have not just heard about them, but I know them, I've experienced them. Let me tell you about his power. Let me tell you about his grace. Let me tell you about this Jesus who died for me and rose again. I know him. Let us be a church that is hungry to be with you and has this expectation, Lord, that if we seek, we will find. And if we knock, you will open the door. Let us be a church that hungers after you because you will fill us in Jesus name